Conversations with Leaders is a podcast focused on the intersection of business and technology. In this episode, we're returning to AWS reInvent in Las Vegas. Hear a session from enterprise strategist and former Coca-Cola CIO Miriam McLemore as she discusses how leaders can transform their organizations by rethinking their levers for change. We are operating in a world that is constantly changing and we have to create a culture and an environment in our teams that can adapt and take advantage of this world in which we live. My name's Miriam McLemore, and I'm an enterprise strategist with AWS. Prior to joining AWS, I was a customer. Uh, like many of you in the room, I was with the Coca-Cola company for 26 years, so a long time. So culture change was something that we had and tried to focus on so that we could adopt technology more quickly. And that's really the conversation that I want to have with you today, um, is the changing role of technology and how that can impact company culture. Certainly, cloud technology has completely changed the dynamic that we are working with. I grew up in a world of big mainframe technologies and, and teradata machines and, and things that um, weren't quite as flexible as the environment that we work in today. And so I have an analogy for you. When, when I was young, um, music came on cassette tapes, right? And you had a limit on each side of how many minutes of music, about 45 minutes of music on each side of a cassette tape. And if, if you're of that generation, you got really good at spinning the tape to rewind it back up. And you couldn't really start and stop where you wanted to start and stop. Um, and so this great new invention came along called the CD, which was a much better but similar capability, right? You still had to have a player, but now you're still limited to how much music on each side. But now you could start the music where you want. It was much more durable medium than the cassette tape, which I often got caught in the little player and you'd rip the tape out. And that wasn't such a great thing. Um, but then very quickly after CDs came music streaming, which completely changed the model, right? It changed the model for record companies. It changed the model for artists. It changed the model of buying a record. You weren't trapped to buying a full record just because people had put the one song you wanted on that record. Now you could buy any song you wanted separately, and you could play it on multiple devices. So I didn't have to have my Discman, right, or my Walkman with me. I can play on my phone. I can play at my home. I can play at my car, right? It opened up the music industry to a whole different way of working, and so I would submit to you, cloud has done the same thing. Originally, we had this technology, the cassette type of technology, that old mainframe type of technology that I started with, COBOL programming. Um, and then we moved to better technology, like the CD. We improved, we modernized, we bought new solutions. It was a better, but really a digital copy, but a better, better environment. Cloud changes the model. 
right? We're going from these big, heavy capital investments that we're kind of stuck with and we depreciate over time to a consumption model of technology and a foundation that enables you. Cloud keeps changing the tech on cloud and the capabilities that are available to you keep changing. So the ability to now have a culture that can leverage that environment is the challenge. Because we used to operate in economies of scale. You do a project, right? And you expected an outcome. So you do the project, you got to the end of the project, you went, good, we can return to business as usual. We did that project, it's done. That's no longer our reality. Now in a world of economies of speed, it's constant change. Constantly adapting to new technologies, constantly leveraging new skills, growing your team, growing your capabilities, inventing new ways of, or new revenue streams, new ways of working, new ways to combat risk. And so change is becoming the new normal. And there's no target state in that model. I don't get to go sit back and go, great. I'm back to the way it used to be. I'm back to business as usual. That is challenging for many organizations to accept that that is a new way of working. Because what we haven't done is we haven't changed our language. In IT, we have always talked about absolutes. We, we would talk about you trade off. Is the trade off quality? Is the trade off time? Is the trade off budget? Right? What is the trade off that we're going to make? Because we dealt in these absolute numbers and figures, investment, right? Budget, timeline, capacity, use cases. And now, in a world of cloud technology and constant change, we operate with new language. It's about relatives and rates, burn rates. It's about price per unit. It's a consumption model. It's about velocity and the cost of experimentation. And if we don't change our language that we use, we're not going to get the cultural change that we need. And cloud certainly matches the economy of speed language and approach. And so that's easy to say, but a little bit harder to do when you're talking about, about change. And so what we're trying to do is create an organization that can develop streaming, not the organization that's going to replace our old cassette tapes with compact disc. So what does that look like? IT has this classic conflict, and I was a the corporate CIO for the Coca-Cola company, and I lived in this, this rock-in-a-hard-placed position where IT was often measured on harmonization, standardization. It was a cost center. And then I had the business teams that were measured on innovation and agility. And I was in marketing prior to coming to IT, so my marketing colleagues were like, what are you doing? Speed up IT, right? Deliver quickly. We need capabilities to meet the business objectives. And a lot of the problem, at least I believe, comes from a different business model that we're operating in. The business is operating in a model that is focused on new ideas and innovation, speed and agility, and value and results. IT often 
is measured on operational excellence, as it should be. I'm not saying don't have operational excellence. Um, but cost optimization, security, compliance, we need those things. Not submitting to you that we shouldn't, but there's an intersection. And IT's over here operating, often without it almost irrelevant what the business does for a living, right? IT's running almost as a separate entity. And so the challenge is merging these models because that is where new digital products and services live is at the intersection of the business strategy, innovation, and the technology capabilities that we now have in front of us. And so to, how do we create that and? We, we often in, in my, my career talked about the power of the and, standards and innovation, right? I want speed and quality. I want customization and low cost. I want short-term game and long-term viability. So how do we go about creating that? Because what we are looking for is a world that sees more dimensions than just cost, operational resilience, and security. We want to see all of the dimensions from a technology standpoint, and we want to operate with fewer constraints. And that also sounds like a rock in a hard place. Um, so what do you do? How do you change your operating model? Some people go, okay, I buy in, I get it, I believe I have to change, right? And so I'm going to look at my processes against my current operating model and translate them into this new cloud world. That doesn't work. And I've seen many companies start and get stalled because they're using old processes in a new world. And, it's, and it is not working for them. And so you cannot just simply tune your current operating model. You actually have to retranslate your objectives into this new tech ecosystem. So what do we do? We need to rethink the levers that we have and that we have historically used and see if we can get our organization to actually work differently because transformation is not just about doing what we've always done better. It is about working differently, thus the word transformation. And that also gets lost. People say, oh, you know, we were sold a bill of goods with transformation. It didn't work. Well, it wasn't a project. It is a different way of working. If you're transformed, you were something, and now you're something else. And that, I think, we, we have lost in, in the process because we're so used to projects that have a beginning and end, and we are so comfortable going back to the way we used to work. So if you were just going to make slight changes, that's optimization. It is not transformation. So what we would suggest and what I have seen work with the customers, so I get to work with customers all over the world, is looking at the levers that you have historically used and translating them into a new model. Traditionally, when you are thinking about having, making a change, 
You look at your organization structure, right? You adjust the org structure, you adjust your processes, you impose some new constraints into the model because we're going to work differently. We need some controls. We've got to be secure. And then when that doesn't work, you just grant some exceptions to the process. I just actually got an exception granted the other day, right? So even at Amazon, we occasionally have those processes that need an exception. What we want you to think about is a new model where you create flywheels, where you reduce the friction in your environment, where you deploy mechanisms. I was listening to uh, Rahul Pathak uh, speak at one of the sessions and talked about discipline equals freedom, right? And that's when we talk about mechanisms. Mechanisms are consistent and common ways of working that allow the freedom and the autonomy that you want your teams to have. You don't want anarchy. You want to push down decision-making within a framework. So deploying mechanisms and then, as a result, fostering autonomy. What we would suggest is start with a flywheel mindset. That is certainly the Amazon mindset. So rather than looking at structure and, and a change to people's job titles, which may or may not change actually what they do, look how change actually happens. It happens in small increments. It doesn't usually happen in giant leaps. And so those small incremental changes reinforce an additional change, and then that is how you begin a flywheel. So, for example, if you started by migrating applications to the cloud, right, that will provide you with the benefit of improved uptime, right, and lower cost. So this enables you then to begin to look at other aspects of your portfolio, and with a lower cost structure, now can we experiment? We have some more money that we could put back into the system. And we have shorter cycle times on those experiments. And then if I can do that, maybe I can actually process more ideas. We hope you're enjoying this discussion. To join the conversation and engage with other business leaders on these topics, follow us on LinkedIn at AWS Executive Connection. So is there a way that your team can start by modernizing, not just migrating, and that's the destination and we're done, right? This idea of continuous improvement and make a change, leverage the impact of that change, make the next change, drive a culture of experimentation, get a culture of faster feedback and agility so that you can actually push more ideas. Because when I talk about Amazon's approach, I compare it often to a more of a venture capital model where we are willing to try a hundred ideas and then see which ones work. Give them seed round. Let them uh, get incubated. And then the ones that work, invest more, double down on those ideas. Start small. What we used to do uh, when I was at Coca-Cola, if we had a hundred ideas, we would down-select those ideas to 50. Then we'd shrink it down to 25. It looked really good on a PowerPoint. You had 100, then we got 50, then we got down to 25. And then we picked the 10 big rocks. 
And then we drove the 10 big rocks and we assigned a senior leader to each of the 10 big rocks because if you have a senior leader, then obviously you have an executive sponsor and that's a good thing. All of that makes a lot of sense and I did it. So I get it. The problem is the 100 did not become 10. The 10 got bloated because no one was willing to let go of their idea. So they said, oh, my idea is actually akin to your idea, their cousins. So the 10 were actually, you know, 20-ish per 10. And that scope bloat with that senior leader, the senior leader was willing to throw good money after bad because their name was on it. When you stay smaller at the 100, and you are only ha- failing like more like a VC, you expect some aren't going to make it. You expect more like a baseball batting average, right? Batting 300. It's pretty good. So a different expectation when you keep things smaller. That's the mindset of a flywheel. So what does that mean in terms of organization, which is where we started this conversation? What often happens when we have these separate teams is you have friction between the teams because you have this relearning cycle or you have objectives that are not aligned. So this team scored, if it's the infrastructure team, they're measured on getting things migrated. If it's the cloud center of excellent, they're trying to get things to cloud and maybe re-architect a few. The application teams have a different agenda. Right, The product teams have another agenda. The innovation team is, apparently, they're the group that's going to dream up all the innovations, which is also a challenging model. Um, And so getting to a place where you have aligned objectives, whatever structure you choose to use, but aligning objectives so we're all rowing in the same direction. It's very tough to get in a boat and have people with oars of different lengths and sizes rowing in different directions. You don't go anywhere fast. And so aligning your objectives across these teams to drive efficiency and speed. Speed matters. So structure is a means to an end. Feedback loops are important for continual improvement. So talking about friction. So in structure, you can have friction but you can have friction in your processes. And I, and I like this analogy. I've, I've become an F1 fan, like, like many, uh, you know, Drive to Survive helped. I actually got to go to an F1 race. That helped, too. Um, but, you know, the question is, why do cars have brakes? And people, I think your, your knee-jerk reaction to that is to slow down or to stop. But if you think about it, you actually have brakes so you can go fast. Right? Because if it didn't have brakes, I can't go that fast. But if I had brakes, I know I can stop. Then I can go faster. But if you run, and I've accused my 90-year-old father of doing this, driving with the brakes on all the time is not very effective. And that is what happens often in our processes. You're telling the teams to go fast, but you're gating them. You are doing security reviews. You have steering committees. You have all of these stop points that you're saying, speed up, get this thing to the finish line. But I have my brake on the whole time. And so your team is feeling this friction and feeling the frustration and you're burning out your car 
or your team in this analogy. So getting, again, to smaller initiatives is the way to combat this friction because when you have big projects, they drive higher risk, which drives more controls, which drives more overhead. So this is also a flywheel, but it's running in the wrong direction, right? It's slowing you down instead of speeding you up. And so friction is the enemy of economies of speed. And so finding in your processes, in your organization, the points of friction and working to lower them or remove them entirely through good mechanisms is what we would suggest. Because this, this process of higher risk, more controls, leads to some bad behavior, sandbagging, right? Because people are trying to balance out what you've asked them to do. Um, it tempts people to defer. You increase technical debt because, you know, this thing's gotten big, it's gotten fragile. So be careful uh, with this um, pushing to larger and larger. Anything that you can do to shrink the size of programs, we often talk about that shrinks the blast radius, right? If there is an issue, the blast radius of something small is relatively small. The blast radius of these big programs takes people out, whole communities, right? Be careful. And it's about more than just moving fast. It is about creating a small project that then can grow, you can iterate, you can hear feedback, you can change, you can pivot, right? So it's not just about risk and, and shrinking the blast radius. It's also about, oh, we learned, we put something out there, we got some feedback, we're going to pivot. And um, I like this concept of minimize, wait, maximize the work not done. If you said that to your teams, right, we are going to maximize the work not done versus we're going to try to do every single thing we can. If we can't cram it into phase one or release one, we're going to cram it into release two. In this, it is ruthless reprioritization and only do the things that have impact. So actually tell your team, we're going to maximize the work that we don't do. That would be a breath of fresh air to many teams. So something to consider. Reduce this approach because of its iterative nature, reduces the cost of error, moves you from prediction or opinion to actually data and feedback and facts, and allows you to course correct and create a more agile approach to working. And it attracts talent because people prefer to work in an environment where they are moving forward versus waiting on the next review or gate meeting or whatever the process is. So reducing friction isn't about efficiency. It's about working differently with your teams. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of Conversations with Leaders, brought to you by AWS Executive Insights. Be sure to catch part two tomorrow. If you enjoyed this episode, please help us spread the word and subscribe, share, rate, and review. Visit aws.amazon.com slash executive insights for more on these topics.